This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Today is Saturday, August 31st, 2019. On this day in 1888, Jack the Ripper killed his first victim, Mary Ann Nichols. This set off a panic that electrified Whitechapel, Greater London, and eventually the world. Jack the Ripper was never caught. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all, but it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a ParCast original. Every day, we tell a timely story from true crime history. Today, we're going back to August 31, 1888, the day Marianne Nichols was murdered by an unknown serial killer. She was later labeled the first of the canonical five, and her killer nicknamed Jack the Ripper. Due to the graphic nature of today's crimes, listener discretion is advised. We advise extreme caution for children under 13. We'll begin shortly after midnight on August 31, 1888, with a victim who was about to become infamous. The Frying Pan was only the name of the bar, but Polly felt like she'd been hit over the head with it. It wasn't enough, though. She still remembered, and she still had a sixpence. She traded two pence for another half pint of gin. Mother's ruin, they called it. But it wasn't the gin that had ruined her. William had done that. Not even William. The laws. The good people of England. The consumption. No, the consumption ruined her mother, not Polly. Consumption was mother's ruin. Gin was God's gift. She drank away the babies who had died in her arms. She drank away the husband who had cheated right in front of her eyes. She drank away the eight years in the workhouse, unable to get a divorce, unable to support herself, but most of all, unable to stay in her home. How could she when her husband only had eyes for the neighbor girl? He married her, and listed her on the baptism certificate of Polly's youngest baby. All the children would likely think Rosetta was their mother, and the baby even had it from the church authority. And they'd think Polly was simply, simply... Polly was simply ordering another half-pint, juniper fumes stinging the insides of her ears. She didn't regret walking out, no, no. 
She didn't regret walking out of Madame Cowdery's house either. The place looked clean, but was stained with shame that Polly could never scrub out. She was dirty and unworthy and a terrible wife and mother. The Cowdrys, good Christians, wouldn't let her forget it. Not at all. She couldn't forget without a drink, and so she left. Forgot it. Another half pint to forget the Cowdrys, and Polly was on her way down Thrall Street. She didn't intend to barter all her DOS money on gin. The London sky blazed orange, fog and smog lighting the night. It was almost pretty, just as Polly was almost pretty in her fine black velvet bonnet. It hid her 43 years, covered her graying hair, and distracted from her missing teeth. Tonight would be a good night after all. The rain had let up, and she was as warm as the fiery sky. Polly stumbled along Thrall Street, reaching Wilmot's, the grandest lodging house in all of Whitechapel. The deputy keeper greeted her at the door. Polly Polly, he said, but she couldn't recall his name. He demanded the fourpence anyway. Polly searched herself for the fourpence. She'd had it. She'd had more than enough. Surely it was just there in her skirts. No, in her undergarments. Of course, she'd hidden it for safekeeping. Not there. The other pocket. The deputy keeper glared down at her. If she didn't have the fourpence for a bed, she'd have to sleep off her liquor on the streets. Polly wasn't a woman who slept on the streets. She'd lived in the Peabody buildings. She knew how to read and write. Her father, well, her father was quite upset with her for leaving her husband for the workhouse. Nevertheless, Polly drew herself up to her full height and, swaying, looked the man in the eye. I'll soon get my DOS money. See what a jolly bonnet I've got now. She left before he could shoo her away. Her money would turn up. Certainly she hadn't drunk that much gin. The farthings were merely in a pocket she'd missed. Polly found herself going along the street corner, and there was Emily from the shared lodgings at Wilmot's. Giddy, Emily asked if Polly had seen the Shadwell dry dock fire. It was something she'd never seen in her fifty-odd years. Flames as tall as a building, taller even. Polly hadn't. She missed everything good. The fire, her father, her children. All for the sake of another half-pint. Emily grabbed Polly's shoulders, steadying her against the wall. Polly hadn't realized she was swaying. Emily tried to coax Polly back to Wilmot's, but Polly couldn't face the deputy. It was too shameful. Polly turned on her heel, then called back to Emily to prove she could take care of herself. I have had my DOS money three times today, and I've spent it. Polly strode confidently along the street until she realized she'd taken a wrong turn, but she'd make it. There was a man approaching. He could help turn her around. As he got closer, Polly noticed the man was wearing a leather apron. Before 3 a.m. on August 31st, 
1988. Polly Nichols was strangled, then slashed violently across her throat and lower torso. Her killer left her on the ground at Bucks Row, Whitechapel, London. The next day, she'll be found dead in the street, skirts indecently pulled up to her thighs. They'll notice the indecency before the blood, which will slowly ooze down the stony streets, even after the constable removes Polly's bruised body. The truth of what happened to Polly will be muddled with legends, conspiracy theories, and horror stories. They'll say Polly knew her killer, that her new bonnet was a gift from him, that she was the victim of a botched abortion, or the Freemasons, or both. They'll call her Mary Ann and Polly Ann, or number one in the canonical five. The papers will report she was a loner, with a weight on her shoulders, that her alcoholism ruined the fine start she'd had in life, that she sold her body on the street. The Victorian-era investigators and newspapers will blame Polly for her misfortune, but there's someone else to blame. For on the night Polly Nichols died, Jack the Ripper was born. Up next, we'll explore Jack the Ripper and demystify the death of Polly Nichols. With Capella University's FlexPath format, you can set your own deadlines, learn at your pace, and access most coursework from anywhere at any time. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Now, back to the story. Jack the Ripper was the first truly infamous serial killer, forged from growing media sensationalism, gruesome crimes, and, of course, getting away with it. There are five deaths spanning from August to November of 1888, which historians consider the rippings of the same man. These five victims were labeled drunks, sex workers, and lowlifes, when really many of them were victims of their circumstances as much as they were victims of their killer. Polly in particular was labeled a sex worker, even though the testimonies of those who knew her give no indication she engaged in that profession. According to historian Holly Rubenhold, the newspapers and detectives went into the reporting and investigation assuming that any woman whose body was found in the street with her legs exposed had to be a sex worker. It made the horrifying crimes easier to swallow if they could tell themselves she deserved it. While the first to die, Polly was, at least, less mutilated than her fellow victims. Her throat was slit, her abdomen slashed, but unlike his attacks, the Ripper didn't carve out her internal organs. Jack had a penchant for mutilating women's reproductive organs, sadly common among serial killers. But in a unique twist, Jack also went for the kidneys, removing two different victims' kidneys, taking one as a souvenir, and purportedly sending a partial kidney to an investigator via the Postal Service. With lurid details like these playing out in real time and the rise of the cheap newspaper, the murders became mythology, 
and it spread like wildfire. August 31, 1888 was just the spark. For more information on the crimes of Jack the Ripper, check out the episodes of Unexplained Mysteries, as well as the Unsolved Murders and Serial Killers crossover special, which all cover different aspects of Jack the Ripper's crimes. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Today in True Crime is a ParCast original. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals, like Today in True Crime, for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Today in True Crime on Spotify, just open the app and type Today in True Crime in the search bar. At ParCast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime was created by Max Cutler, is a production of Cutler Media, and is part of the ParCast Network. It is produced by Max and Ron Cutler, sound designed by Ron Shapiro, with production assistance by Paul Mahler, Maggie Admire, and Freddie Beckley. This episode of Today in True Crime is written by Maggie Admire. I'm Vanessa Richardson.